there were lots of people actually yelling at the guy, hey, stop. Tonight, the incident that has whale watchers outraged, and it's all caught on camera. Plus. Another tax? Another. No. 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 No holiday from price hikes. It's about to cost you more to drive your car, park your car, and take transit. And. The Canada Day long weekend marred by multiple emergency rescues. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. They are treasured on the West Coast with the ever-increasing laws designed to protect them. But now some video has surfaced of a boater getting way too close to a pot of orcas this weekend. As Grace Key reports, it shows the boat cruising right by at least three killer whales in the waters near Stanley Park in an obvious violation of the rules. You can see the whales are coming here. It's a sight you see all too often. Take a look at this boat as it speeds right by a pod of whales. It happened at Prospect Point Saturday afternoon at Stanley Park in front of several onlookers. There were lots of people actually yelling at the guy, hey, stop, somebody should tell them to stop. All the other boats that were in the area were completely stopped and just enjoying the option of being able to witness that that marvelous uh, scene. Off we go. Vancouver Whale Watch in Steeston is getting ready to take a group of tourists out on the waters. They see these encounters with recreational boaters on a regular basis. Unfortunately, we see it almost every trip that we go out. You know, and our captains will do as much as they can to bring awareness to the other boats that, hey, we have whales in this area, please slow down. As part of an effort to protect southern resident killer whales, sweeping new rules went into effect in June. The minimum distance pleasure crafts must keep from all killer whales doubled to 400 metres, with engines required to be in neutral idle. And if a vessel is within a kilometre of killer whales, there's a voluntary go-slow zone of less than seven knots. But just the fact of being able to see them is an experience for some people of once in a lifetime. Enjoy it and not put it in jeopardy. The risk is a lot of disturbance in their natural behaviors and what they do, but there is a risk of impact, absolutely. This summer, you can expect to see more fishery officers on the water to verify compliance with approach distances. Grace Key, Global News. A pedestrian has been seriously injured by a vehicle. The person was hit in pit meadows this morning. At about 10.30, the victim was struck at Harris Road and 122nd Avenue. Investigators seen here examining a pickup truck at the scene. So far, no word on the cause of the crash. As of tomorrow, it's going to cost, well, just about all of us more to get around, starting with Metro Vancouver drivers who will pay more to park as TransLink increases its 21% parking tax rate for the first time in nearly a decade. Kristen Robinson has more on how much more you'll pay and where the money will go. Alarms already sounding over the Metro Vancouver parking tax rate increase. I, I don't agree with it, but... You know, it is what it is. The tax, holding at 21% since 2010, or 27% when you include the GST, part of the price of parking in stalls with hourly, daily, and monthly rates. TransLink to increase the tax by 3% July 1st to help bridge the regional funding gap for Phase 2 of the Mayor's Council 10-year plan. I think they have enough taxes as it is, and it's just really taxing the people now. 
With GST charged on the price of parking and the parking rights tax, on every dollar of parking, you'll pay 24 cents in parking tax. Slap GST on that dollar 24, and it adds up to a dollar 30 on a combined tax rate of 30.2 percent. So I think TransLink makes enough money, don't they? TransLink says the parking tax hike will help pay for major projects like the Surrey to Langley SkyTrain and the Broadway Subway SkyTrain extension. I really want to see that SkyTrain go in. I think that that's a great idea. I think it's a good investment. Kind of torn either way. I can see why they do it, but it's not going to be easy paying that extra for sure. We've paid more before. TransLink tripled the off-street parking tax in 2010, the same year BC implemented the harmonized sales tax, 7% PST combined with 5% GST. It's very fancy. By February 2011, the 12% HST drove the parking tax to 35.5%, among the highest in North America. I would rather just bus somewhere and not have to worry about parking because it's such a pain. For others, it's hard to get out of the driver's seat, no matter how much it costs. But we almost have our hands tied. It comes down to that they know we need it, so they can siphon whatever they want from us. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And it's not just parking that motorists will be dinged on. The gas tax also goes up starting tomorrow, rising 1.6 cents per litre as of midnight. Some drivers gassing up today ahead of the hike, with which petroleum analyst Dan McKegg says could lead to a price at the pump in Metro Vancouver to jump about a do- to a dollar fifty-four nine a liter for regular. Another tax? Another? Yeah. No. 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 That's all I've got to say. It seems just like a power move. Another one of those power moves. Trying thought? to get money wherever they can. You ever thought about electric car? I have. I'm just not, they're not quite ready yet, like the infrastructure is not ready for electric cars, so this was my decision for um, for now. I think it's, it's going to take another you know, five, six years for it to be viable, especially in uh, a little bit outside of yeah. the greater uh, yep. Vancouver area. And you won't escape the price hike if you take transit either. Fares are going up starting tomorrow as the third in a series of scheduled fare hikes kicks in. Single-use fares will climb $0.05 for cash payments and $0.10 for stored value fares. Monthly passes will climb by $2 for concession fares and $3 for adult fares. Day-pass pairs, along with West Coast Express return tickets and return passes, will increase by $0.25. The annual fare increases will help fund an expansion of transit service, including more bus, handy dart and train service. Well, many people are enjoying the great outdoors this Canada Day long weekend, but it's no holiday for search and rescue. And they've already had to deal with several rescues across Metro Vancouver. And as Tanya Beja reports, that's stretching the resources of exhausted volunteers. Volunteers with Lions Bay Search and Rescue airlift a man to safety after a devastating fall. This fellow took a, a two to three hundred meter slide and did some fairly serious damage to his knee. There's exposed bone there. The long line operation was their third rescue in 48 hours. It's been extremely busy. There are people everywhere out in the woods. The team also responded to a young student who found himself stranded on a Brunswick mountain ridge. No one knew that he was here and he'd come on public transit. We would probably haven't have found him for months, except for the fact his phone had 7% battery power left and he managed to get the call out. 
Crews in North Vancouver had their hands full with several calls Sunday, including the long-line rescue of a man who sustained a head injury after a tumble in Norvan Falls. We flew crews in, including an ER physician, so they did have a decreased level of consciousness, uh, likely a fractured arm as well. The weekend emergencies required major commitments of search and rescue resources. Volunteers are pleading with the public to be prepared when heading into the woods by bringing the right footwear, a flashlight, GPS and cell phones. And always let someone know where you've gone when to expect you back because if all this technology breaks down, we'll at least know what trail to look on for you. Tanya Beja, Global News. A couple of close calls at a skydiving festival in Vernon today. Not one, but two skydivers had to deploy their backup parachutes when their main chutes malfunctioned. Emergency crews were called out, but not needed as both jumpers landed safely. It happened during the Great Canadian Freefall Festival. Witnesses saw parachutes falling from the sky with nobody attached to them. Skydive Okanagan says both skydivers were very experienced jumpers. Today we had a couple reserve rides Really, we see these once in a while at these types of events. Nothing too scary. The skydivers opened their reserve chutes, landed safely on the field. When we have a main parachute malfunction, we cut it away and it separates from the skydiver. And that piece of fabric will land on its own, you know, wherever it ends up going. That's good news. Well, there was a flurry of police activity in a normally quiet residential neighborhood in the South Okanagan as police tracked down two suspects in an attempted carjacking. Police say a woman reported two people had tried to steal her vehicle in Penticton. The suspects fled to Summerland, ditching the vehicle before taking off on foot. Witnesses say an RCMP helicopter, spike belts and police dogs were deployed to track them down. It's believed two suspects were arrested. I took a walk down to see what was going on and sure enough there seemed to be a car uh, vacated at the end of this block uh, and the dog, the police dogs were in the truck and they were searching for, uh, sounded like uh, a couple of armed robbers. Police say the getaway vehicle, a PT Cruiser, was also reported stolen. Its back window was smashed during today's attempted carjacking and getaway. The government just announced millions of dollars in flood relief in Grand Forks, money that's expected to go towards reinforcing the riverbank and buying out homes. But for one resident, it comes as little relief. She says she was told she'd get a buyout, but then she says officials backed out. Now, as Jules Knox reports, she could be facing bankruptcy. We had water to just below the doorknob. Jamie Massey's Grand Forks home was destroyed by last year's flooding. Inside we had about four feet, just about four feet of water. It came to just underneath our countertop. So um, we had to gut the entire house. Massey says she was told at the time that her home wouldn't be safe to live in again. The chance of it flooding again like that was too high so that we were told that we would be in a buyout position. Then, months later, Massey says officials did an about-face and told her she was no longer on the buyout list. And at that point in time, we, um, we have too much debt to fix the house. And that kind of put us in a bit of a backwards spin with our mortgage company, and we were no longer meeting the requirements of our contract. So we've had to foreclose. On Wednesday, the federal and provincial governments announced $53 million in funding for the Grand Forks area. 
The city says that money will go towards both buyouts and flood mitigation work, although there is still some uncertainty. The actual siting and location and engineering for those uh, projects is not all in place, and so there will be an opportunity for public input in terms of how some of these things hit the ground. The city says that the properties ultimately chosen for this buyout are where the land is needed for flood mitigation work and that the decision isn't based on how much damage was caused. But that's little comfort for Massey. She still doesn't qualify. It's going to impact us for the next how many years because the foreclosure will more than likely lead to bankruptcy for us. The floodwaters not only washed away her home, but left her swamped with debt. Jules Knox, Global News. New documents show just how much money a shoe swap houseboat company owed creditors. Waterway houseboats went into receivership earlier this month. Now, a licensed insolvency trustee company has posted documents showing the business owed $13 million. Several customers told Global News they had already put down thousands of dollars in deposits for summer vacations. Nearly 150 people were employed by the company. In a statement, Waterway blamed a 2012 flood for their financial troubles. Well, as we head into what's expected to be a hot Canada day, a reminder not to leave pets in vehicles. This photo was tweeted out yesterday by Vancouver Police Patrol Sergeant Sandra Glendinning after a citizen called 911 to report two dogs left in a car parked near Vanier Park. Police say the dogs were showing signs of distress. The SPCA was unable to attend, so officers decided to rescue the dogs themselves. The dogs were given water and a cool down. Their owner got a $250 bylaw ticket for leaving the dogs in a vehicle in the heat and without ventilation and a lecture on pet ownership. Dogs can die from heat stroke in just 15 minutes when left in a vehicle, even if the windows are down and it doesn't feel hot outside. Yellow tape has now been strung across Vancouver's Sunset Beach, closing off the popular swimming site because of E. coli. Tests reveal the E. coli levels at nearly four times the allowable level for safe swimming. Contaminated water can lead to gastrointestinal illness with symptoms of cramping, vomiting and diarrhea. Those 69 containers full of now toxic Canadian garbage that came in from the Philippines this weekend are now being burned at Metro Vancouver's Waste to Energy facility in Burnaby. Tonight, Paul Johnson has more on the hazardous process to incinerate the trash. What a mess and what a bill for taxpayers. The size of the freighter that tied up at Delta Port Saturday is a good hint at the scope of this cock-up. Uh, we're going to continue to work on this because this is uh, a situation that is uh, unacceptable and has gone on for far too long. Though the end was in sight Sunday morning, his truck started hauling the rejected trash to an incinerator in Burnaby. Where over the course of the next two weeks, it'll finally get burned up at a total cost to Canadians of about $1.2 million. It's all because of this a diplomatic crisis of sorts, triggered when the Philippines said an Ontario company mislabeled garbage it shipped to them for recycling. It sat there for six years, angered the Philippine president, and finally compelled Ottawa to pay for its trip back. Being the closest facility with the right capability, Burnaby's waste furnace got the job. We think we're going to be able to manage the material without incident. Experts say it's a good lesson for consumers to be mindful about properly separating their waste streams. 
But as for the company that shipped the garbage in the first place, they appear to have walked away from responsibility. And at this point, it's not clear what plans, if any, Ottawa has to go after them or try and prevent something similar from happening again. Paul Johnson, Global News. Families living with autism were able to enjoy a day out courtesy of the Pacific Autism Network today. The fourth annual Sibling Support Day began in Richmond with a special VIP screening of Toy Story 4, followed by a carnival. The family-friendly events are meant to create an environment where siblings dealing with autism can enjoy an event together. Oftentimes we have to separate the children, so we'll say, we know this one can focus through a movie, so we'll take only one child with us to the movies, or one child with us to do a special activity, but it's very rare for us to know that we can go into a safe environment, take all three, and realize that if our, one of our sons with autism needs to get up and jump and let some energy out, or um, out of excitement maybe lets out a little squeal, that he's not going to be judged or um, disturb the other moviegoers. Well, close to 70,000 fans showed up last night for what could be the Rolling Stones' final concert in Canada. You gotta love him. Mick and the boys performing street fighting men in a small town about 30 kilometers north of Barrie, Ontario. It's the Stones' only Canadian date on their North American tour. Many fans were worried the concert might not happen due to the fact that 75-year-old lead singer's emergency heart surgery this year, but he looked to be in fine form last night. The closest the Stones will get to Vancouver will be in August. In August 14th, that is, when they go to Seattle. I'm just... Not to be outdone, Elvis tribute artists are taking over Penticton for a three-day 18th annual Elvis festival. Fans from far and wide are in the Okanagan City to celebrate the king of rock and roll. 27 artists all trying to impress the judges. Now that's entertainment. hot there. Good on them for wearing all that clothes. Not a great day to wear spandex. No. Elvis spandex. (laughs) Good lord. What temperature would would it be? Temperatures are uh, into the mid-20s for a few spots in the Okanagan. So it's warm for all the Elvis impersonators out there today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, Nice day for us. Yeah, very pleasant. Uh, We've been advertising the sunshine. Uh, We've seen plenty of it today. Temperatures have warmed up and be prepared. It'll be very similar for Canada Day. Wanted to show you quickly on the satellite and radar, we do have a severe thunderstorm warning that has popped up for areas near the peace. Uh, right now it's just 80 kilometers north of Fort St. John but it's moving near so it's a cluster of thunderstorms that are just moving near Wanawan I believe and tracking southeast just along Highway 97 so it's at approximately 50 kilometers per hour. Heads up we could see a nickel sized hail, very gusty wind conditions Whoa. and heavy rainfall so we'll be tracking that and we've got your Canada Day forecast across the province who's seeing sunshine in a few areas will still be seeing some wet weather. I'll show you where very shortly. Okie doke. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Barry, lots going on. Uh, yeah, NBA free agency started uh, a few hours ago. Apparently already, it's been, what, three and a half hours? <laughs> Over a billion dollars. I'm not kidding. <gasps> a billion dollars worth of contracts have already been handed out. Holy smoke. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to play in the same team. I'll tell you where they're going. The only big guy who's not decided Let yet me guess. is Kawhi because 
Kawhi goes on his own terms, and he's making everyone wait. And a lot of these teams, like especially the Lakers and Clippers who are after him, have not done anything because they, they're kind of waiting for him first. So there's a lot of guys oh being signed. Goodness. So whoever loses out on Kawhi can really be out of luck for a, for a long time. U.S. President Donald Trump made history today, becoming the first sitting American president to set foot in North Korea. Uh, this is my honor. I didn't really expect it. Trump shook hands with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un at the demilitarized zone between the two Koreas. The pair then met in private just under an hour for just under an hour on the southern side. In the rush to cover the summit, the White House's new press secretary was jostled by North Korean security guards and ended up being bruised in the scuffle. Critics are questioning whether this apparent last-minute meeting will help restart stalled nuclear disarmament talks. For President Donald Trump, the first steps towards Kim Jong-un's position in North Korea may be the easiest. And while President Trump says he isn't in a hurry, there are major issues before them. The biggest, complete denuclearization. His critics call it showmanship, casting the impromptu meeting as an elaborate photo op. It's worrisome that this president erratically sets up a meeting without the staff work being done. Uh, it seems like it's all for show. It's not substantive. Some arguing that Trump's dramatic approach will falter as a diplomatic tactic. This is a ruthless dictator. And uh, when you go forward, you have to have clear focus and a clear mission and clear goals. American intelligence agencies have concluded that North Korea is unlikely to give up its nuclear arsenal, as Mr. Trump has demanded. Full agreement by Kim for complete and verifiable denuclearization, experts warn, may be a stretch, but it could lead to some progress. Does that mean this is a deal that's going to lead to denuclearization? No, but it's an interim deal. They needed some way to get back to the talks. Uh, and this handshake, I think, does that. It resets the relationship. Today, President Trump seemed to acknowledge that one pathway to peace might require him to lift sanctions before a final agreement is in place. I don't like the sanctions being on this country. I'm looking forward, but the sanctions remain, yes. But at some point during the negotiation, things can happen. A Canadian cartoonist has been fired purportedly because of a drawing he did of President Trump and a warning. The story includes a disturbing image. The illustration was posted on Michael DeAdder's Twitter account on June 26th. It shows Trump standing beside a golf court, club in hand, looking down at the bodies of a migrant father and daughter who drowned in the Rio Grande while trying to cross from Mexico into Texas. Trump asks, do you mind if I play through? It's based on a heartbreaking photo that's become a focal point in the debate over asylum seekers in the U.S. The New Brunswick native was so far not responding to interview requests, saying that he is off the grid for the day. And the president of the Association of Canadian Cartoonists says De Adder was fired after 17 years with Brunswick News Incorporated because Trump is a taboo subject for the company. Ten people have been killed in a plane crash in Texas. The small twin-engine plane crashed into a hangar during takeoff at a Dallas airport this morning. The fiery crash killing everyone on board. The National Transportation Safety Board is now investigating. The identity of those on board has not been released. More than two people took the plunge in South Carolina when the dock they were on collapsed. Cell phone video shows the group of about 20 people trying to get out of a creek. It happened at a waterfront restaurant. The person who captured the video says the people were part of a wedding party and were about to take a photo when they heard a loud crack. 
Everyone is accounted for and there were no serious injuries. Thousands of people celebrated LGBTQ2 rights at World Pride Day today in New York City. This year's annual Pride Parade marked 50 years since Stonewall when riots broke out during a police raid at Manhattan Gay Bar, the Stonewall Inn, in 1969. The riots are considered to be a turning point in the LGBTQ2 rights movement. How some Syrian refugees are paying tribute to their new home this Canada Day long weekend. We're going to have that right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, a popular camping destination in Saskatchewan was hit by what looked like a tornado yesterday. A video of the cleanup from a Global News viewer. Her family is from Camrose and was camping at the campsite that weekend. on the weekend. They were among those who were evacuated. Three people were injured and a hiker was missing. He's since been located. That storm hit uh, after the storm hit. Environment Canada has not officially confirmed that a tornado touched down, though. That's nasty. This is Edmonton yesterday. The southeast part of the city hit with hail. Kind of makes you glad to be in B.C. right now. Right, Yvonne? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're tracking the all-important forecast for our Canada Day. But that same system that is in Alberta is actually going to bring us a bit of moisture on Tuesday. And I'll show you what it looks like in just a moment. Fantastic out there. If you're a fan of the heat, I will see that temperature bumping up once again for tomorrow. We're sitting at 22 degrees with the northwesterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. And that was our high today out of the airport. Areas away from the water, though, Burnaby getting up to 26 degrees. A hot one today for areas near Surrey and Pitt meadows with the humidex though it's feeling closer to 30 degrees and with the humidex tomorrow it'll feel into the low 30s so be prepared you will need to stay hydrated and grab that sunscreen areas into Kelowna today 27 Kamloops 28 degrees Prince George climbing up to 24 and along the coast for Prince Rupert at 18. This is a beautiful shot that was sent in from Michael it was the last sunrise this morning in Port Coquitlam and I wanted to quickly show you what a dry month it's been for us in June we've only had five days it was on Thursday that we had 16.7 millimeters, giving us a total of close to 27 millimeters, but well below the average for June, where the average sits closer to 54 millimeters. So we'll stay tuned to see what we do have for our July. Here's a glance, though, at the active weather that we're still tracking. So the northeastern corners with a severe thunderstorm warning, that's for the peace. Fort Nelson with a severe thunderstorm watch. And towards the south, a few spots near the border, hope and stretching its way towards uh, the Okanagan. We are seeing a few lightning stripes, so we could see intense downpours, very gusty winds near these thunderstorms, and the potential to see some large hail. Now, the moisture is going to die off in the active weather across the southern half of the province tomorrow. A fantastic start to the morning. It's towards the central and northern areas that we are still looking at some shower activity. By the afternoon tomorrow, we could see a few clouds rolling in, but across the south coast, it is going to remain dry. And then it's on our Tuesday that we are looking at the return for some wet weather. The ridge is going to break down. It's actually some moisture that is going to push in uh, from areas near Alberta. The piece tomorrow, a clearing is on the way by the afternoon, so a nice break. Temperatures up to 19. Whitehorse will still see a slight chance for a shower, risk of a thunderstorm. North coast will be sunny and dry with highs up to 16. Caribou and central interior, that's a 
one wet spot across the province for your Canada Day, but then a nice break on Tuesday. Areas near the Columbia Kootenai up to 27, a warm one tomorrow with a partly cloudy sky. Tops in Okanagan could see some windy conditions picking up for the afternoon with gusts of up to 40. Whistler, a warm one, 26 near the village. Areas near Pemberton will be closer to 29 degrees and showers moving in on Tuesday across the island. Inland, a hot one up to 28 degrees. Most areas near the water pushing closer to 20, so 24 is the high tomorrow. A mainly sunny sky towards the evening. It looks like we'll just have a few clouds out there, but fantastic for the fireworks. Temperatures will be at 17 degrees around 1030. We've got a fabulous day tomorrow, but it is going to be hot, so be prepared. Areas away from the water will feel closer to 30 degrees, and then the blip in the forecast with a few showers rolling in will be on our Tuesday. Colleen? Okay, thanks so much, Yvonne. We have some breaking news now. Police are investigating a shooting in Burnaby right now. Officers were called to the cul-de-sac at Fulton Avenue and Vista Crescent. Emergency health services confirm a male was rushed to hospital with serious gunshot wounds. Witnesses tell Global News they say they heard three loud bangs similar to gunfire and that a person inside a vehicle was taken to hospital. So far, no comment from Burnaby RCMP. We'll keep you posted on this story as it develops. Well, it's been three years since Canada opened its doors to more than 25,000 Syrian refugees. For many, the adjustment has been difficult, learning English, finding work, and leaving family behind. But as Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports, the struggle isn't stopping some from paying tribute to their new home this Canada Day weekend. For Aya Mahada, the photos are reminders of the parents and siblings she left behind in Syria when she moved to Calgary with her husband three years ago. It's really hard. It's, it's um, like being, being a stranger for, for, uh, for a while is something um, not easy to handle. Aya made the painful decision to leave her teaching job and her family in Syria because of the ongoing conflict there. My cousin uh, has been killed. They are struggling to, to, to just adjust, living with danger all the time. For Aya, music has been a source of comfort, and so have the many kind and generous Calgarians she's met along the way. She's now sharing a home with a family who is helping out with childcare. Aya now has a two-year-old little girl and has since split up with her husband. Having a baby in this place, I feel blessed and I, I feel like I'm gifted to, to, to just raise my baby in this place. Being here is something um, is a great chance for us. Oh, Canada, our mother, not by birth, but by love. Members of Calgary's Syrian community, like Garag Alatrash, have been supportive too. The pair have now joined together to perform an ode to Canada. The words for Gada, a manifestation of her gratitude towards Canada. She hopes hearing immigrant stories will create more empathy towards newcomers at a time when there is resistance to immigration. I do believe that one of the ways to, to remedy all, these, um, all this ugliness in this world is to try to bring others to stand in the place of those who are experiencing these very um, difficult realities. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. So Barry, you're telling me there's a little bit of money in the NBA. 
There's a lot of money going on uh, right now in the NBA. The free agency started tonight, and now if the NHL can match this tomorrow, it's going to be a heck of a 48 hours. The NBA is doing it right, and there's like lots of stuff going on. We'll see if we can fill you in. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, yes, it is game on in the NBA free agent frenzy. So far, that uh, so far there's been a lot of noise over a billion dollars worth of contracts handed out a billion, but not surprisingly, all is quiet on the Kawhi Leonard front. While there is mayhem around him, Kawhi is doing it his way, quietly. Apparently it's a three-team race for him, Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors, and as of right now, there is absolutely no indication from the Kawhi camp which way he is leaning. All the NBA insiders today saying, that's just the one place where there's just no word. Everywhere else, there's word leaking and reports, but nothing from Kawhi. He has meetings scheduled with all three teams, and as of now, it seems like he is holding true to that and will take those meetings and will take his sweet time to make a decision. Now, the big splash so far is with the Brooklyn Nets, who have become instant contenders after signing two of the biggest free agents. Kevin Durant on his way to Brooklyn, four years, $164 million. But since he is recovering from that ruptured Achilles suffered in Game 5 of the Finals against the Raptors, likely won't play for one full year. Kyrie Irving is also Brooklyn-bound, four years, $141 million. He played last year in Boston. The Nets also signed big man DeAndre Jordan, so Brooklyn with three huge pieces in free agency. Meanwhile, the NHL free agent, or sorry, the Milwaukee Bucks have resigned two of their four free agents. They gave the big money to all-star Chris Middleton, five years, $178 million. He averaged 18.3 points last season for the Bucks, and they also retained big man Brooke Lopez, four years and $52 million. Lopez averaged 12.5 points and five rebounds per game, but... The Bucks lost a couple of good players. J.J. Redick to New Orleans, and Milwaukee was forced to deal guard Malcolm Brogdon to Indiana to clear a cap space to sign Middleton. Meanwhile, the NHL free agent frenzy begins tomorrow. Jim Benning has made it clear he wants a top four defenseman. Read Tyler Myers, who met with the Canucks last week. But the big man is commanding in the $8 million per season range. Canucks also looking for a top six forward, and they need to re-sign a restricted free agent Brock Besser. It all happens pretty fast, so by this time tomorrow, Canucks could look a whole lot different than they did when the season ended, and hopefully for the better. And we've got some uh, goalie news. Veteran Mike Smith, who's now 37, will apparently sign with the Oilers. $2 million salary for one year, but incentives could take it to $4 million. Smith will join Finn Miko Koskinen in the Oiler crease next season. The Lions likely did not sleep well last night after blowing a late lead in Calgary to fall to 0-3 on the season. BC was up 11 inside the final two minutes, but couldn't close the deal. It's only three games, but some alarm bells are going off on this team, especially on defense, where they have given up an average of 36 points per game. Mike Riley had his best game of the young season, 36 of 42, 354 yards, two touchdown passes late in the fourth. Riley with the quarterback draw takes it in for the touchdown, 32-21 BC in total control. And Bo Levi Mitchell hurt his throwing shoulder, so Calgary had to do their comeback with backup Nick Arbuckle, who was with the Lions last year. That pass helped set up a touchdown, then they needed the onside kick. 
and the Stamps executed perfectly, or maybe rather the Lions defended horribly. Calgary gets the ball, and that led to this Arbuckle to Eric Rogers touchdown in the final 30 seconds. Stamps win 36-32. Lions outscored 23-10 in the fourth. This one will sting a while. No way they should lose this game. Something that we've been struggling with this whole time, we come out in the second half and we don't execute the same way we do in the first half. Third quarter, we played all right, even towards the end of the game, but then that last couple drives, we just let it slip away. No, I don't really know what happened. You know, it was a big blur. And it's just, it's just we lost every game, you know, ourselves, you know, and uh, we got to get back to the drawing board. The Whitecaps' six-game unbeaten streak came to an end last night in Seattle. Vancouver really should have pushed that streak to seven, but Seattle scored a goal late in stoppage time to win it 1-0 against a very short-staffed Whitecaps side who have four key players away at the Gold Cup. Sounders debuting their uh, brand-new turf, but uh, not much happening until the second half. Ali Adnan loads up and fires a rocket, but Stefan Fry with a great save. Could be Adnan's last game as a white cap as his loan from Italy expires today. A few minutes later, Sounders on the attack. White cap keeper Zach McMath charged out, took a knock, stays down. The play continued and Danny Leva loops the ball into the open net. The Sounders think they've got a goal, but they go to VAR and after review, they wave off the goal for a foul. So that is a big break for the Whitecaps. But five minutes into stoppage time, Sounders with the pressure. Whitecaps wilting no legs at this point, And Kelvin Leardham breaks their hearts with this goal. 1-0 the final. Afterwards, Whitecap coach Mark DeSantos sounding off about having many of his key players away playing in the Gold Cup. Let's educate everybody in that, that we're playing uh, league games while there's the Gold Cup. It's actually amateurish playing a competition uh, during another competition. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of amateur. It's not good for us. It's not good for Seattle. And it's not good for this environment and all the fans that, that were here today. And speaking of the Gold Cup, USA and Curaçao in a quarterfinal match going on right now. American strike first, Christian Pulisic with the service, headed in by Weston McKenney. And that's where they stand right now, early second half, 1-0 USA. Earlier in the other quarterfinal on that side of the draw, Jamaica and Panama, 74th. Panama called for a very debatable foul in the box, but it stands. It's a penalty for Jamaica. And former Whitecap Darren Maddox will take the shot, and Maddox delivers as Jamaica wins 1-0 to advance to the Gold Cup semifinals. They'll get the winner of the USA-Curacao match. Welcome back. The world of sports is filled with the emotional feel-good stories. That's what makes sports the best reality TV in the world. But today in Detroit, for 36-year-old Nate Lashley, winning his first PGA Tour event ran the uh, gamut of emotions. He was the last player to get in the field as an alternate, and then he went wire to wire to win by six shots. So that in itself is a fantastic story. But there's a tragic side as well. Fifteen years ago, when he was playing college golf, his mom, dad, and then girlfriend flew out to watch him play on their way home, the plane crashed, killing all three and sending Lashley into an understandable tailspin. He actually quit golf, was selling real estate in 2012, but he came back 
got his tour card, and today it all came together in Detroit. Lashley was 23 under through three rounds, thanks to a pair of 963s in rounds one and three. He's been almost perfect. Today with a six-shot lead, kept the pedal down early, first hole. Why not another birdie from 15 feet? Go to the 13th now. Back one. It's his approach to about seven feet, and that would lead to his second birdie of the day. Still had a very sizable lead at that point, and then at 17, got a putt well if you're going to be in the minus 23 range. He went to minus 25 there, two under for the day, six-shot lead on 18. His girlfriend on the left, his sister on the right, inside the ropes watching him today, an emotional time for them as well. Lashley taps in on 18 for the win. He's a PGA Tour champ. Everyone in the gallery and watching today cheering for this 36-year-old. That's a heartwarming story. Also, $1.314 million to go along with that heartwarming story. Merritt Roger Sloan tied for 21st at 13 under. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford is 35th at minus 11. LPGA Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship. And this is a 54-hole event. Danielle Kang for Eagle on 14. That goes down. She posts 17 under. Actually, three other players at 17 under. But that is Korea's Sunhun Park. She also at 17 under. This is for Eagle and the win by two shots. She needs to just get down in two. That's a pretty good lag. And she would just tap in for the birdie and the win and reclaims the world number one ranking. Canada's Brooke Henderson finished 41st at 9 under, 9 back of the winner. Royals and Blue Jays, Toronto looking for a third straight win against Kansas City. Looked good early. Justin Smoke, two-run shot here, his first of two on the day. He's got 14 for the season, part of a five-run Blue Jays second. They led 5-1, but the Royals rallied. They took the lead and then this solo shot from Jorge Soler was the difference as the Royals beat the Blue Jays 7-6. to And we'll finish with Formula One, the Austrian Grand Prix. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc on the pole. Disastrous start for Red Bull's Max Verstappen. Stalls the car off the start. Got jumped by a handful of drivers. Leclerc Gets out to a large lead, but Verstappen with two laps to go, worked his way back up to second, looking to pass Leclerc for the lead, gets the inside and holds his line. A bit of bumping there. The stewards took a look at that to review it, but they said it was okay, and Verstappen declared the winner. Leclerc finishes second, Valtteri Botas was third, and Montreal's Lance Stroll finished 14th. There you go. Awesome. Thanks so much, Barry. Hey, we want to say congratulations to the city of Enderby, which just won Canada's most active community from participation. Cities across the country tracked more than 265 million minutes of physical activity to compete for the $150,000 grand prize. But the small BC community and nearly 3,000 came together to make sure they were victorious. Enderby already knows what it's going to do with the money. We have the active community to the point of where we're almost outgrowing some of our facilities, so our ball diamonds, um, we're sending local teams away because we don't have enough facility space to house all of the interest to be active here in Enderby. We're looking at updating our 67-year-old pool, and we're also working with the high school because it's very important to have that being active initiative in our youth. All right, the community, a community in Ontario has beaten out Grouse Mountain for setting the Guinness World Record for the largest 
human maple leaf. Have a look. Nearly 4,000 people in Trenton formed the iconic leaf in a local park yesterday. All dressed in red t-shirts, they filled in the outline of the leaf in support of the Canadian Armed Forces Veterans Charity. And organizers say that they were aiming for 5,000, but they still beat the 2017 record, which was set on Grouse Mountain with 1,587 people. That's pretty cool. That looks good, Very too. Nice. That's yes. nice. Very Canadian. You're going to be down at uh, Canada Place tomorrow? Sophie and I will be down there. Be prepared. It's going to be hot, uh, but so far looking very nice uh, for the fireworks and all the festivities that will be outdoors tomorrow. That is good news. Thanks for joining us. Join Jordan at 11 o'clock. Have a good night.